This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Extra. Hello and welcome to another special episode of the Sky Blues Extra podcast, which is kindly sponsored by Shortland Horn, Coventry's leading estate agents. My name is Tom Ward and I'm joined this evening by Dave. Evening, Tom. Evening, mate. And I'm pleased to say we're also joined by Ian Davidson, who is the deputy chair of the Coventry City London Supporters Club, and he's also secretary of Sky Blues International. Now, the reason we have Ian with us this evening is because we're going to be doing an away day special and discussing all things away days. We'll also be bringing in comments from you, our listeners. You may have seen a few polls out on Twitter, which we got you to be involved in. So we will be reading out some of your comments and contributions as well. Evening, Ian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks both for inviting me on. Um, But I suppose the, the true answer to that is I'm missing my football. Yeah, aren't we all Ian? It's uh, it's a shame. I was, was going to say I know I've uh, we've met many times and been on many trains to uh, to away days, and it's uh, I'm definitely missing that sort of away day experience. But hopefully we can uh, reminisce about some some of the the good times we've had over the last few years on the pod. Anyway, um, so Ian, tell us a bit more about the Coventry City London Supporters Club and, and Sky Blues International, because I'm sure not all of our listeners will have will have heard of the uh, the support groups. Certainly. Um, the story goes back to November 1976 when 11 then young fellows um, who were working in London met in a pub and were talking about whether or not they had been to Villa Park the previous day, um, whether or not they'd seen the, the game on the highlights on the Midlands edition or the London edition. And they really decided that they needed to do something for long distance supporters. And that in November 1976, so the Coventry London Supporters Club was formed um, and it's provided its members with group travel and a ticket collecting service um, for the last 40 odd years. In fact, we celebrate our 45th anniversary in November this year, subject to social distancing and all the rest of it mm. in open. Sky Brilliant. Blue International, which was, the, which was the second part of your question, was something that came about by Jonathan Strange, who was the chairman at the time, and Joe Elliott at the club, to try and in- include international-based um, members. We have got some 250 international members. A lot of them are expats that were born and in Coventry and have moved to live abroad. Um, but we've also got a lot of uh, Europeans, especially Scandinavians, that support Coventry for 
weird and wonderful reasons, like they had a sky blue support Subutio team, yeah. or, they, or, or they had kits um, that were, were that were not the big clubs, especially when we were in the Premier League. Um, and we we invite them over when they come to games. They come and join us. They'll come to the pub with us. We we get we arrange tickets for them. So it's a, quite a inclusive type of um, supporters club whenever they're in the UK. Yeah, that's brilliant. And it's you know it's great to hear that we've got fans, you know, all around the world and it's great that we're able to sort of keep them engaged. I had one actually recently where a chap from Argentina actually uh, messaged me on Instagram of all platforms um, and, and, I, and was saying he was a massive Coventry fan and I was asking him, you know, how, how on earth did you come to follow the Sky Blues? And it was actually because he said he'd started a career on FIFA in league, when we were in League Two and he just picked a random team God has promoted and then he's followed the Sky Blues ever since. So, like you say, it's it's funny how people come to support the Sky Blues, isn't it? Indeed. Um, if, you, if you want a little um, fun story just to, to, before we kick off about that, we have a couple of um, members from Switzerland, um, Albi and Andrea. Uh, and Albi, um, in the early 70s, was a what he calls a newspaper Arsenal supporter. Mm. And he happened to be in London on business and... The people he we worked with said, "Oh, we're hit tomorrow. How about going to the Arsenal game?" They played Coventry, and um, Coventry were beaten five-one. But he went away and came back six months later, and lo and behold, Arsenal were playing that weekend in London again, and they were playing Coventry. And this time, Coventry drew, but he he became a Coventry supporter. And I asked him why many years ago, and he told me that Emirates, even though they were winning five-one. Uh, was so quiet, except the 1,500 or so Coventry supporters in the corner <laughs> who never shut up the whole time. He met yeah. some of those Coventry supporters from the London Supporters Club on the tube back into central London, swapped telephone numbers or it wasn't emails in those days, and next time he came over, arranged to meet them and went and he comes over once or twice a year. So these are the funny ways that people get involved. Yeah, with brilliant. Yeah, it's no, it's brilliant to when you hear stories like that, isn't it? And um, obviously, and you've supported the Sky Blues for for a long time. When did you sort of start going? Um, my uh, my father taught me when I was seven years old, and the back end of the 1961-62 season, um, Jimmy Hill had, had become manager just before Christmas, and so it was the end of that season. But then, of course, the next four to five seasons, we went from the bottom of the fourth division to promotion to the first division, which of course is the Premier League today, and of course. As a 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old, I was hooked. Um, you know, I went and became a season ticket holder with my father and, and, and family for a number of years. I moved to Kent in 87, but I've been a regular home and away supporter um, for, for all that time. And, and Ian, tell us some of your favourite early memories, because obviously there was European football at that time. Um, we'll move on to the, the 87 Cup final. But yeah, some of your earliest memories, what do you remember? And, and, and yeah, tell us about that. OK, well, um, interestingly, of course, being a Sky Blue fan all the time has been a roller coaster. But certainly there were many highs, certainly in the Jimmy Hill days. Um, and of course, there was the Midlands match of the century versus Wolves in, in 67. That was, of course, yeah. a, a, a big sort of memory sitting on the side of the pitch um, um, like all the other kids at that time um, but as you mentioned the European games one of my claims to fame as I say it is that um, I just started work at um, the Standard Triumph at, um, at the time British Leyland as it became um, and as a 16 year old um, my I wanted to go to the European games and my mum, bless her cotton socks, decided that she didn't know where Trachea or Plovdiv was and therefore I wasn't to go as a 16 year old. But I persuaded her that if we were to get through, I would be able to go to the next game. 
of course, we did get through, and of course, we played Bayern Munich. So I have the the the, the pleasure of being able to say to people that I've seen seventy five percent of Coventry's European games. Yeah, this is actually <laughs> three out of four, but the seventy five percent sounds better. Not a massive sample size, is it, Ian? No, <laughs> but, I, but I, I was in Munich the night we lost six one. So yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Incredible memories, those, though. I, I've seen lots of the pictures, and funny enough, my dad went to the, the Trackier plot-off game, and the trampolines and the, the people on the trampolines and stuff like that. It's uh, funny, funny old um, pre-match entertainment, I think, wasn't there, uh, when we saw it. But talk about the, the cup final. That must be you know, a huge highlight in your you know, uh, time sporting the Sky Blues. It, it was, and in fact, um, it, it, I, I was actually, at the time, about to leave Coventry to live in Kent um, in, and I've actually moved in the August September time after the cup final so I knew that was going to happen so it was also a, 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 a big change in my life but yes the cup final there was a story that I often tell uh, and this probably is why I got the job at the CCLFC about booking pubs um, my friends and family there was 12 of us went down in three cars and we decided we'd go to a pub outside of Wembley um, and we met in a pub in Alperton and um, nowhere near the motorway, nowhere near the central London route. So we were the, were the wrong side of Wembley from all the Coventry fans um, c- coming in. And on the Thursday night, I rang the pub and said, look, there's going to be 12 of us. Can we have some food? Oh, we don't do food on Saturday. Oh, come on, there's 12 of us. We're coming down for the match. And, they pers- and I persuaded them to do 12 steak and chips. And at one o'clock, we were the only Coventry fans in this pub. There was a lot, quite a few Spurs fans in there, but out came our 12 steak and chips. So, of course, all the Spurs fans were, oh, can we order some? Can we? <laughs> no, 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 sorry, we don't do food on Saturday. Um, so, you know, that's, that was a good one over from, from the Spurs game before the cup final even started. And, of course, everybody remembers um, Clive Allen scoring in the first minute. And, in fact, we had Oggy down at the um, London Supporters Club um, uh, about a year ago. And we asked him about, um, you know, his views of the, of the cup final. And he was telling us that John Sillett was saying to everybody, keep it tight, guys, keep it tight in those first few minutes. And, of course, it was two minutes in um, mm. that, that Allen scored. Although Oggy at the meeting with the CCLFC members actually said, no, it was one minute, 48 seconds. He knew it exactly. And Ian, we we talked a bit at the start around the London Supporters Club and and you know the and Sky Blues International. How did you sort of get involved with the the groups? Uh, well, I, I, as I said, I moved to Kent in 1987, and um, I, and I joined the London Supporters Club. I think I saw it in a program in London matches. We always used to at those days put a little advert in the program, um, and I was what I was. I suppose, was a silent member for many, many years um, because I used to travel to home and away games with my wife and two kids. Um, and I suppose I went to the Q&As and I read the magazines and I went to the odd night game because I worked in central London um, with, with the group on the train. So I got to know a number of the, the members. And I was at the 35th anniversary in 2011 dinner and there was lots of talk on our table about... The magazine wasn't coming out because it was just too expensive and time-consuming to print and, and mail out. Um, and I suggested that maybe I would be willing to, to try and produce a, an, uh, an e-newsletter. So I joined the committee. I was now starting to travel more on my own. So I started to travel with the CCLFC members um, by train because um, my kids had gone to university and they'd left home and, you know, they didn't go to every game. Um, and um, from that, that period in 2011-12, 
um, I started um, being a member of the um, committee, started producing the newsletter, and that's really um, when I, I, I got really involved and has been involved ever since. Yeah, that's brilliant. And and obviously, what you've recently done is is written a book, which I know has recently been released. Um, which you know, we're really keen to hear more about that. It's it's titled "A Football Real Ale Trail," and I know you chaps are very into your ale, and obviously, you go on a lot of the away days. So, tell us a bit more about the book, Ian. Yeah, it, it, it actually um, relates back to my starting of the e newsletter. Um, when, when games stopped after the Ipswich game last year, um, we decided that maybe there was time to sort of do a bit of spring cleaning on our website and, and, and whatever. And I, and I took on the task of trying to list all the pubs that we'd visited over the last few years. And, I, and what I realised was that the very first pub email um, that I had done where we were going to meet was the Yeovil game um, in, to, oh, in August 2012. And the last one we did, because of the... Um, the curtailment of the season was the Ipswich game last March, which was exactly the period of time that we were out of the championship. Now, when I started to look at this and record the pubs, I started sort of mentioning to people about, oh, do you remember so-and-so? Do you remember this? And, and the story started to come. And in fact, because we weren't going to games and we weren't going to our real L pubs, um, the... Um, it, it, so the, the book came about in, 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 in that way, and it tells the story, really, of a, a group of regular travellers from the southeast in the eight years that we, we were playing in the lower tiers of the EFL. It doesn't capture the football memories particularly. It's not a football book. I'm not trying to be a Jim Brown. But mm, what it does sure. do, it captures the stories and memories of we actually went to 71 grounds in that eight years and we visited 127 pubs as our designated pub of the day. It's a good um, effort. And um, in those years, so we've got pictures in the book of the photos of the grounds, the pubs, and of course, lots of pictures of group of members on their days out. So the stories are really about the camaraderie, the pubs, uh, and even the delights of traveling on our rail network. Um, but of course, it wasn't always um, happy, go lucky, good stuff. Because you have to remember, during this period, we were relegated to the fourth tier of the of the football league, and sometimes the good days out were, as we started to say, were spoilt by the football. And there yeah. were occasions when it was seriously considered that we should stay in the pub. Um, and these are all the things that have been lost by the pandem pandemic. And therefore, um, hence the book came about. And uh, I've had some interesting sort of um, responses for people that have had it. I even got um, uh, the London supporters, the Blackpool London supporters mem uh, chairman yesterday um, ordered one from me because he'd, 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 he'd seen it by somebody from Exeter that had also picked it up. So it's not just around Coventry City. If you're a Coventry City fan and you're a real elf fan, it's great about some of the stories, but it becomes a reference for anybody that wants to go to some of the 72 grounds that we have played, pl played at over the last eight years. Yeah, no, exactly. I've read I've read a lot of different accounts, and like you say, it doesn't always have to be Coventry fans that that read these, is it? Because it's it's very much more about the day out, and like you say, a lot of those places that you um that you you know, attended, and uh, some pub crawl, and I think like you say that the football it was at times probably one that made you think about staying in the pub. I expect the 
rail network probably kept you in the pub longer than probably needed to at some times as well. Indeed. But um, t- talk to us about a typical uh, away day, I suppose, with um, the, the, the London Supporters Club. You know, yeah. h- how does that start and, and finish and, and, and perhaps the planning in, in before it? Because I know you're, you know, you're very keen to make sure everyone knows where they're going and, and, and you know, getting like you did with the Wembley, uh, a pub that you can actually go to, eat at and, and not be sort of disturbed. Yeah, um, uh, well, I suppose the, the, the best way of doing it, remember, away days for us includes home games because, of course, we're... So, 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 so basically, um, what, what I've got in the book is a, uh, is, a, is a couple of chapters talking about us going to home games, and it's an away day. So basically, there's, there's, there's normally about anything from a dozen to 20 or so people will travel from central London to, 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 to games, and it starts at about 8.30, so at about 8.30 on a Saturday morning, I will um, get dropped off um, at the at my local station. It's just a bit too far to walk, and it's in country lane. So I get the eight thirty train, eight thirty five train that gets me into London about um, quarter to ten. I get up to Euston for about quarter past ten. Unfortunately, the next train from my local station doesn't get me there until about ten to eleven, and we were always on the eleven o three going to Coventry. Um, so, um, so, so that first part of the journey is done on my own and there's about a dozen or so other people that live in and around the london and the southeast that are coming up on the brighton line or coming in from upminster or yeah coming in from you know from, from, from wherever all traveling on their own to get to euston we all meet at euston uh, at, at, at around 10 30 to quarter to 11 um and we get on the 1103 um first stop is rugby um and by the time we get to rugby um you know we're trying to organize um what um what taxes are necessary to get us to the, the local pub in Coventry. So that happens sort of every week. Uh, obviously, I'll come to Birmingham in a second. But then if it's an away game, um, an actual away game, then it's obviously it's Paddington. If it's the West Country, it may be yeah. King's Cross. And it may be even earlier. We, we have to, cause, you know, we, Sometimes we're leaving central London at about um, at sort of 7 o'clock, 8, 7.30 in the morning. So that means we've still got an hour to get into London first. So that's um, so. So we get into wherever we're going to be. The golden rule is that we try to be in the pub at twelve o'clock. Yeah, wherever wherever we're going, whether that's the the Coventry pubs, Northampton pub, or or or, in, or Birmingham. Um, um, but we always um, sent out an email on the Wednesday or Thursday before every away game, telling people that were on our mailing list that this is where we were going to go to a particular pub in wherever we were playing. And um, I would always, the week before, um, call the pub, email the pub, and tell them approximately how many people were coming. And yeah. regularly, when when it was more than 20 or so, they'd say, could you pre-order your food for us? Not because they didn't want to um, put, make it strict, but it was, you know, you couldn't have 10 people turning up and saying, I want egg and chips, or yeah. beef burger and chips, uh, or chicken and chips, or whatever it is. Um, so they, they knew, so we'd always have to pre-order our food by the the... the the Thursday before the game, and we'd know when we'd go. Most of the time, that worked perfectly. Um, and um, you know, there were a few occasions where double or triple the amount of people turned up that we didn't know about just because they knew we were going to a decent pub. So, a few people had to share their egg and chips, then, indeed. Yes, <laughs> brilliant. But, um, and and what about so, sort of some of the the you know, uh, further, further afield, I guess, some of the, the longer trips. What, what what how do they sort of are they do you always aim to be at twelve o'clock as sort of for them if, if it's like Manchester? That, 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 that is our that is our normal normal stance. Um so if I just give you an example of Hartlepool in the FA Cup back in about two thousand and thirteen. 
to get decent train prices, um, we had to be on a train that left King's Cross that got into Hartlepool at um, five past 11. The yeah. next one was something like one o'clock, so it's too late. Um, so the pub we were going to didn't open until 12, so we had to go somewhere else first. But, yeah, it, that was always the, the plan is to, to, to try and get there for about 12 o'clock. So our whole journey time and ticketing was um, was picked on the basis of a 12 o'clock arrival time. And um, Simon Fahey and Adrian Hawthorne over the last eight or nine years have been our travel secretaries at CCLFC, and they would book tickets um, certainly six, maybe even 12 weeks in advance to get advanced tickets. Yeah, so, you really have so, to be uh, on yeah. it. I must admit, Tom, Tom's probably our uh, yeah. <laughs> unofficial uh, uh, guy for that. So, uh, but yeah, you do. You have to really plan these things ahead because the, the prices of some of those, you know, the, the, especially the far sort of nor- up northern ones uh, can be colossal, can't they? And, and it's, um, it, it's and you know it's you know the fixture list is there. You know you're going to go, so it, it makes complete sense to do that. Ian, I it think- must be it must be tricky with the um, the TV games. I know now we're in the championship. We seem to be on TV every week. That must cause you a bit of uh, a bit of aggro in terms of games getting moved and your train tickets and things. Well, it, it, yeah, absolutely. And we, we, unfortunately, we uh, in the in the time when we're in the bottom of the of League League One and in, in League Two, we that didn't happen that often. Um, but uh, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. The cancellation, um, you know, and um, I, I remember one time when. Um, there was a number of us going up to Carlisle and we played Preston in the, um, I'm going to say the Checker Trade Trophy, but it probably wasn't back in those days. And that was, game was moved to Sky on a Thursday night. So at the last minute, about two or three weeks before, they moved the Carlisle game from Saturday to Sunday morning. So, of course, that meant all our train tickets, were very expensive ones, were, were, were sort of cancelled. We managed in that, in that case to get most of the tickets back by pleading with the, um, the, the train company because we wanted to buy other tickets for later on. No but easy task, that, still went on the Sunday. Um, and, of course, I had to buy tickets at a very expensive, um, you know, buying them a week or so before. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. We, we put out a question on our Twitter page uh, this week for our followers to describe their perfect away day. So we kind of gave some categories for people to answer. Uh, and they were breakfast of choice, mode of transport, pre-game drink, halftime snack, and favourite away end. We also asked people to share their favourite away day photo, and we had some brilliant responses. So I'll just read a few of these out um, now. So Joey C said he'd go for a spoons brekkie, take the train, beer of choice, beer Moretti, he'd go for a bolty pie, and he said, best of weigh-ins, Grimsby, Barnet for the bar downstairs, Knox County and Port Vale. Yeah, Barnet was a good one, actually, wasn't it, for that bar, Ian? Yes, yeah. Remember that I'll, one? I'll, it was a pretty, we, pretty... we don't drink in grounds, but I'll come to that later. Yeah, sure. Pretty pretty drab game, if I remember, but quite yeah, a good uh, bar in the ground. Um, Julian Foster says, breakfast, McDonald's, double sausage egg McMuffin. There's a bit of a theme with uh, McDonald's breakfast, we noticed with our followers. Travel, Virgin, Pendolino. I think it's changed to Avanti now, but we'll let you off. Um, Pre-game, a local real ale bar. You'd probably appreciate that, Ian. Um, He goes for chicken bolty pie as well, and his favourite away end is Peterborough. Again, another good away end and and one where we've got some great results. Uh, Amar Singh goes for a spoons breakfast, uh, travelling by train. His pre-game drink would be a carling, half-time snack cheeseburger, and his favourite away end is Fleetwood. Um... I'll, go, I'll just read out a couple more. Uh, so, who have we got here? Ollie says, a good bacon sarnie, uh, a virgin train, or oh, 
warm hot chocolate before a cold game, steak and ale pie at half time, and he said Milton Keynes in the FA Cup when Biamo scored mental. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah some, some good kind of memories there and some good away-ins that we've been to. The Virgin Train, Tom's got to be. Is it what, what is it? What is it? The, is it the spirit of Coventry? What was it called? That, uh, yeah, always used to see that, isn't it? It's always a, a good one, omen. Always a good omen if you get on that one, which is that they've yeah. named the uh, train the spirit of Coventry yeah. or something like that. But um, yeah, it, exactly. It just shows you, doesn't it, the amount of people that replied back to to that tweet. Uh, how many people are, are obviously missing these away days? But just about how much it's so much more to people than than the ninety minutes. That, that they obviously watch, you know, Coventry, and it's all about the day, isn't it? The thing about the the, the breakfast and the the, the halftime um, steak and kidney pie or whatever, we tended not to do that because most of us were leaving, as I said, at eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning, yeah. not, not nine o'clock. So hot food was one of the prerequisites of the pub we were going to. So we we would always, as I said, pre-order food. And we've had some fantastic Thai, we've, uh, Peterborough, we've had sort of curries made for us uh, from pubs Brilliant. that didn't do didn't do food but when they knew there was 30 or 40 of us turning up they'd do a one pot curry for us at Cheltenham and, and Burton and this sort of thing so we, we, we tended to have a hot meal at the 12, 12.30 time um, so therefore that was our that was our main meal of the day and then you know it was a, a virgin virgin sandwich on the way home maybe um, uh, 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 as we were getting back on the train afterwards yeah, and we've we've all got our favourites, um, especially us guys that come back into London. Of course, a lot of the pubs around London after a home or away game, we we um, we'll, we'll be able to jump into one of them when we get back. But Ian, sort of tell us about some of the favourite pubs that you visited across the country. I think in in perhaps for away days, maybe some that um, maybe even in the Championship, um, you know, where where people can go and get a really good. Um, real well pint from from perhaps something uh, you know um, an excerpt from the from the book. Okay, um, let, let me let me um, if if I can, can I just preface that by saying that London Supporters Club's pre-match experience is going to be different to what a lot of other supporters. Yeah, I saw of course. Or some of some of the tweets they they were talking about the Ipswich um, away fans pub at, opposite the station. Yeah. Um, because of the travel problems at, at, last, at Ipswich last year, um, I and a number of other members got there early and went in there. And I'm really pleased that we didn't have to stay because it was plastic glasses, there was heavy security, and it <laughs> yeah. got so crowded that nobody could get served. So yeah. we've got our own pub 20 minutes away that was absolutely superb. And we've got a meal laid on. We've got four or five real ales. So um, I, I, so our experience is something different to others. Other people want atmosphere and they want sort of lagers yeah. in plastic glasses. So our, our, our view may be different to, to others. But that doesn't make ours right and theirs wrong or no, the other way around. So I just wanted to say that um, first of all. Um, but in terms of some of the, 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 the sort of pubs, I mean, you mentioned... Um, Wembley early on. I mean, the two that stand out in, in, in are the central London pubs before the two Wembley games. Um, we've got a, a landlord at the Calthorpe Arms where we have all our Q and A's, and you know, Mark Robbins comes down, and he's a commentator. Oh, of course, supporter. yeah. Yeah, and he he opened on um, the Chequerchev um, final day between uh, at ten thirty, so we could all get fed, we could all meet, and there was probably 100, 150 people turned up from all over the world to collect their tickets, including I mentioned about the Norwegians. I, I think that morning, because um, Barry wasn't there, he was our ticket man. 
Um, I handed over 29 tickets for the, the, for the Norwegian group um, where, that we'd managed to get for them all in one, one area so they could stick with us. So the Calthorpe Arms was there. With the Notts County game for the Exeter final, the, um, the, the, there wasn't time for us to talk to the club um, about getting tickets together. So what we did is we did a, um, a, a, a sort of our own sort of um, Wembley trio. We, we said to anybody that was a season ticket holder, if you can get six tickets, please get six tickets. And therefore, if you don't need six, please let us have the other three, but get them in the same block. So we yeah, managed yeah. to get close on 200 tickets in the same block um, for London supporters that we but of course we couldn't post them out. So again, before the exit of the game, everybody had to meet at the Feathers um, in um, in Westminster because Adrian at the Calthorpe wanted to go this time, so he wasn't going to open his pub beforehand. So <laughs> we all met at the, we all met at the Feathers. So those two pubs stand out as as being great days. The beer tasted so much better because we were on our way to Wembley, etc. But to answer your question about pubs far far uh, around the country, over the last few years we've played. Um, some sides many times and other sides yeah. only played once so the Peterboroughs the Warsaws and the Doncasters spring straight to mind um, the brewery tap at Peterborough um, with its Thai restaurant is superb and we, we we must have been there six or seven times I think in the last in the last few years the Black Country Arms in Warsaw um, we used to get lots of funny looks because our group from London would still be on the train as it pulled out of Bescott um, and everybody else had got up at Bescott because we went on into Warsaw to have our drink and then got the train back just before the game. But the West Black Country Arms, again, a great pub. The Corner Pin at Doncaster, never disappointed. And they had absolutely superb and humongous Yorkshire dinners where you actually had your dinner, actually your roast, actually in a Yorkshire. So <laughs> yeah. go there regularly. Um, and in, in fact, the last couple of seasons, we've actually um, awarded um, a pub of the season. Um, based on the real ale, the food, the welcome we got and the atmosphere. And the Coach and Horses at Shrewsbury was our pub of the year two years ago. Um, and last year, it was actually the Steamboat Tavern at Ipswich, which was on our only visit. Um, and um, But just to, to final, give you a far away one, one that unfortunately we're not going to be able to go to anymore. At our AGM regularly, we would say um, that if you only do one Northwest away day, then you must go to Bury because of yeah. the trackside bar. It was an absolute must. And on the two or three occasions that we went there, we'd often uh, link in with a steam rally. So therefore you'd have steam trains, proper steam trains pulling into the into the East Lanks Railway station yeah. where the bar was. And um, the savvy drinkers amongst us uh, would make certain that they'd always got their next round in before the train pulled in because the, the people were getting off to have their drink and then going on for the rest of their rally. So that, that worked well. But yeah, the the trackside in um absolutely superb but they say there is 127 pubs in in the book uh, most of them are very um very good real ale pubs in that way the one or two that didn't didn't work out um for for, for various reasons that that, that, I, that i do explain but we do speak to the landlord um beforehand so they know they're coming and we know that and they know how many of us are coming Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, that's brilliant. Ian, so many, so many pubs on the, on the list that you've, that you've been to. Um, just wanted to read out some of our, our listener comments as well on the pubs. As you say, in probably slightly different taste to the London Supporters Club. Um, but Spud says the Forester's Arms in Southend. Uh, Ian Sky Blue says, I love the Bull's Head at Port Vale away. That's on our list. That's one of yours. That's yeah. good. Um, Richard Hanna says bar seven in crew. I don't know if you remember that one, Dave. It was a bit of a bit of a dive in there, but that was uh, always rocking pre-game. Um, Toby Tony Young says Strawberry Gardens in Fleetwood, um, and Gavin Adair says the Green Man in Wembley beer garden was always a great atmosphere. Yeah, that was a, I think that was a highlight for a lot of people. Um, Alex Smith says King George V at Warsaw the way half pub half curry house one of the best curries I've ever had Craig Long says the Draker Arms in Arsenal Highbury um, also the Springbok in QPR back in the day as well so a few there from our, our listeners as well in terms of their their favourite pubs and moving on to um, away grounds Ian you mentioned there about how many you've visited you know the, the Coventry um, London Supporters Club what what would be it's very difficult i think to put your favorite away ground um for me up there i mean fratton park just for the complete nostalgia of it um i love that place and i think you know we haven't been there but craven cottage would be a ground that i'd love to to to, to visit um with with coventry um but yeah tell us about some of the, well maybe your favorite away ground and then some that would make the list uh, yeah sure I, I suppose if i think back over the last last few years um clearly that evening at Notts County has got to be one that, you know, again, it's it, this, the Meadow Lane is, a, is an old stadium with that big stand. We always tended to take large amounts of support. So that was that was always a fantastic sort of atmosphere. Um, yeah. um, I, I, I was fortunate enough to be um, at Liverpool when Unlove scored his hat-trick in the Cup wow. against them. And, of course, you know, to actually... Um, win Liverpool against the Cop, and when the Cop was in full swing, I mean that's oh, again a fantastic sort of a, a, a away ground. But I, but the old White Hart Lane um, um, is is still one of my favourites because it, it was yeah. it, it was one of the last large old grounds before they they all started to get knocked down and rebuilt. Yeah, and of course we went there in. 2013 in the cup when it was still you know a um the, the old ground i mean you know we haven't been to play at the new ground but that that was always one of my favorites because maybe a game because you know we'd had some um relegation escapes there where we had to yeah. win on the last day of the season so it was always a favorite i always look forward to going to white hart lane because it's a long walk down down from the tube though isn't it and if oh, you, yeah, get, yes. you get the bus yeah. and stuff it's a bit yeah. of a it seems like a really easy ground to get to but it's a hell of a walk if you take it on but it's um it really is a lovely lovely traditional ground what you know the old white heart lane and um it, it yeah almost like you say a shame but what what a beast a new one is i suppose yes indeed and thinking about the worst ground you've ever been to ian there's probably quite a few on this list i would imagine well yeah it, it, it's interesting I, I suppose the one that that always stands out is the old colchester ground at layer road i mean if anybody ever went there um 
the, the I think there was one ladies' toilet. There was two cubicles for for blokes, and that was it. And you'd have sort of regularly several hundred Coventry fans there. It was dreadful. Um, but fortunately, they built a new a new stadium there. Um, but also, I suppose the away terracing. Um, at, at Wimbledon, at Kings Meadow, um, where, where they cut, where they're no longer playing, but where we were, because again, if you were on the halfway line, you were looking through. You, you were looking through the, the, where the players were sitting and the managers were sitting, so you couldn't see the pitch at all in yeah. a lot. And, but also, Bristol Rovers is, an, is another absolutely awful ground. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. so cold as well. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, but you mentioned Fratton Park um, a second ago. I would, I would add the toilets at Portsmouth. Oh, no. It's the worst country. Yeah. They and the tuck shop. Awful I mean, toilet. The tuck shop. Yeah. The tuck shop. It's no better than a tuck shop from what I remember at school. It, it's awful. Like, you, yeah. you know, if you get a cup of tea, it, the tea bag's probably been in four other cups, I expect. It, it's really, <laughs> really, really is a poor. You know, the atmosphere of the away end at Fratton Park is brilliant, but the, the facilities do yes, uh, leave yes. a lot to be desired, mm-hmm. don't they? Yeah, and the, yeah. And, and the man with the bell. I mean, that, that yeah. was with, with that one. Yeah, but we've yeah. had some good nights. Luckily, I think at Fratton Park. Yeah, we, we had some good good days. So it's, it's treated us well. But Indeed. Tom, what what would be your your worst ground? Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say notable mention for me would have to go to uh, Newport. Newport was pretty pretty dire a couple of few years ago. Yeah, um, open terrace again, and the other one was Forest Green. I don't know if you went to that one, Ian. I did, yeah, with the, that was the pretty, rain. Pretty bad, wasn't it? Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, I say Bristol Rovers and Forest Green. I think I would put together. Yeah, you, you're right, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's when it's when it's got an open roof, it's it's not great, is it? Because it, it, you don't get much of an atmosphere. It's hard to hold the noise in, and it's just cold yeah. and a bit miserable. So, yeah, prefer to have a roof on an away end if possible. Which uh, now we're in the championship should should be something we see more and more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Tom, what about favourites? Because you never mentioned yours. Did you have one that you... Um... Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I, I love Fratton Park as well. I think yeah. it's probably probably one of my favourites. Always in, always enjoy going there. Um, I'd have to say Notts County is, is a good one as well. Yeah. Notts Forest, actually, to be honest, is a great one. Um, mm. Always enjoyed going there. Um, so, yeah. Or, um, Bramwell Lane is up there for me as well. I was actually mascot there, as, as you as you chaps probably know. Um, yeah. So that that was that's one that I, I really like. Hillsborough is a great one. There's, there's there's quite a few, but I think the theme really similar to you chaps the is the yeah. grounds are. I yeah. prefer. I'm not a massive fan of the new grounds. Really, they you know they lack a bit of atmosphere. They're always a bit outside the town or city or whatever. So yeah, you look you know, at things like Oxford, for example, Tom. I mean, from an away day point yeah. of view, it's very difficult, isn't it? I'm, it'd be, I'm sure Ian planned well advanced in in that one and was was probably better than us. But it was it, it's always a bit of a nightmare, Oxford, especially if you yeah. even if you plan taxis and stuff, it can be a bit of a pain. But yeah, well, I think, I think we, um, we missed the first ten minutes of the uh, last last time we played there, didn't we? Yeah, which is ridiculous. Um, because of the taxis but yeah no the ones that are right in the t- in the town are the ones that are the best for me no more than any was was of course the old highfield road which was uh, a, a smashing ground in the um town wasn't it pretty much you know it wasn't in in amongst the houses very old traditional ground and i'm sure ian like a lot of our uh, followers and supporters you you miss that ground a lot I think absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I can understand the reasons why they were looking to move. I think yeah. the reasons behind it might not be now with hindsight, but, you know, I, I, I do get that. And it's the way um, football was going at that time as it, well, it was, wasn't it? It was, you know, and, um, you know, I, I, and I, and I, but I think to, to Tom's point, you know, the, the new grounds that have, have struggled 
are the ones like Bolton, like Derby, that are on the outskirts of towns, like the Rico, and it becomes a car park, um, yeah. apart from match day. Um, you know, and and uh, and, and there's the, they, they really do, they really are struggling with them. And uh, you know, I think the, the the Tottenham one is hopefully the way new grounds are going to move. It was built on the same, nearly built on the same site, and it's a, a proper football stadium. It's, it's yeah. not not a bowl with with sort of no atmosphere. So you know, things are things are changing. So you know, as we as we go around and try to build our new ground at some point, um, if, if if that ever comes 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 about, then hopefully you know we take that into account. You know, it, we don't want a bowl um, stuck on stuck, stuck out somewhere with with no transport links. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you say, the transport links, and if we can take some learnings from some of the recent grounds that have been built. Um, then you know, hopefully, we'll have a a much better better stadium. Um, well, even to have any stadium at this point would be good. But but yeah, um, just moving on a little bit. Um, we also asked our followers this week around their the coldest ever away day they've been on. Um, Ian, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, it's got to be Wickham in February two thousand and eighteen. Yeah. Got to be. I mean, yeah. I, mean I think it's I mean, a unanimous winner, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was terrible. And of course, yeah. the problem with Wickham is that there's only one pub in um, in the Sands area of High Wickham, and and even that's something like a, a 10, 15 minute walk from the ground. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, it, so you've got to walk and you can't park, and it's it's just an awful place to go, Wickham. Um, but no, that's got to be. But I say the the other miserable times on the pouring rains we talked about and you're getting cold and you mentioned forest green we've talked about bristol rovers you know they were horrendous days um, and you know and of course if you don't win which we didn't at, at um, bristol and uh, forest green it does make the journey home when you're wet cold and miserable yeah it does yeah that wickham one was cold one thing i will say about that though that i found quite funny is that every time it gets talked about it seems to get a degree colder yeah. um yeah. so even our very own dean atkinson um I replied to the tweet saying Wickham away minus 10 degrees now it was pretty cold that night but I don't think it was quite minus 10 no um Dean does claim that the wind chill factor might have might have had a bearing on that yeah um, I think he's getting mixed up with some ski resorts there that's yeah. Uh... yeah exactly um so yeah it was cold but I'm not sure it was quite that cold but the the Mark McNulty penalty definitely warmed everyone up a little bit yeah. um Al Lockhart says Carlisle away December 2018, dropped about 10 degrees from leaving Coventry and blowing a hoolie. We won 1-0, thawed out on the coach home. Yeah, I remember that one. That was a pretty cold day out, but a a good win at the time, I think. Yeah. Um, Spud says Scunthorpe away when there was snow on the ground. Can't quite remember that one. Mm -hmm. Um, Ian Sky Blue brings out one that I think I've heard about a lot. Wimbledon away when they were at the MK Hockey Stadium. Was oh, ridiculously yeah, freezing. Yeah. Yes, I, I remember going that to the. Uh, it yeah. depends. I'm trying to think what fixtures, but I remember going when I think Joachim scored a hat trick or something. Uh, yeah, that rings the same year. But um, yeah, that was really cold. And you also, you know, if it blew any any, you know, the wind blew anymore, you you was on a put up stand. You know, you were a bit worried about health and safety. Whether it was even going to make Shit. it through the game. It was, uh, yeah, pretty makeshift uh, ground that one, Ian. Yeah, yeah. yeah very much so. I mean, because Wimbledon's one of those teams that you know if you if you if you're old enough and and maybe ugly enough you've probably seen us play um, at the palace at the hockey stadium at now the 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 the, the mk don stadium now it's uh 
uh, and you know, you and, and I think also at Charlton or something, so, or, or a Palace. So you've seen them all over the place, Plough Lane. Um, you know, so so this is this is um, definitely a, um, a a sort of a one that you you think back and you think, yes, it was cold. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, Dave on Twitter, who's at he's at Temple Row, he says the Rico is the coldest ground he's ever been in, and I have to say that the Rico is always pretty cold, actually. Um, yeah, that. That that was um that's something I definitely I definitely noticed. Um Monty says Fleetwood's twenty nineteen without a doubt. We have to say the, the wind does rip across that, that ground at Fleetwood, doesn't it, Ian? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, yes. very cold. Yeah. Um so yeah, thanks a lot to our listeners for your your views on that. Um some some again some some good memories. It seems like we've uh, we've tended to win on those cold away days, which is interesting. Um now, Ian, you talked about your some of your train journeys and sort of leaving very early in the morning. Now I'm sure you've probably um, had some issues with train delays. Um, what, what? Tell us some stories around that. Have you ever been stuck somewhere, stuck in the pub somewhere, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. Well, of course. I mean, it, but interestingly, um, you know, you'd think that the the Carlisles, the Plymouth, the Hartley Pools would be the long journeys. It's actually they're not the long journeys. The long journeys tend to be when you have to change either at Preston to get to Morecambe or to Accrington or uh, or Burnley uh, or you know you go to not- Nottingham and then go out to Doncaster and Scunthorpe. That adds much more to the journey time. But interestingly, the the longest journey tends to be Shrewsbury. Would you believe? Because uh, it seems to be that the only trains that you can get from Wolverhampton to Shrewsbury seem to stop at every station and therefore it takes nearly as long from Wolverhampton to Shrewsbury as it does to um to, to get from London to, to Wolverhampton so that's one of our longest in time but um you you talked about sort of delays I mean we had a 90 minute delay coming back from um Accrington um, a few years a few years ago and we uh, we just left um, Preston and gone to Warrington and we had a 90 minute delay and on, on our carriage because they'd got advanced tickets as well there was a group of Bournemouth supporters they'd played at Wigan that day and they took the great delight throughout this 90 minutes of the delay and on the journey home telling us um, how, how how much Callum Wilson was scoring for fun and how much <laughs> they, they'd got him on the cheap and it, yeah. it really didn't help but um, so you know so not only did we have the long delay because of course if there are delays um, it does affect People like me, who have got nearly an hour when you get back to London to get home, yeah. and and, yeah. and um, the, the 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 Coventry trains, um, the Virgin one, and again you'll probably remember this, Tom. Um, um, we used to get the, the one just before six o'clock or just after six o'clock, depending on what was the the the, the best deal. Um, but it always followed the slow London Midland train coming in from Birmingham, and he yeah. couldn't pass it until he got to Coventry, and it was always late. <laughs> Um, and therefore, that two or three minutes or ten minutes being late often meant that we we, we missed a connection. We, we, we some of us missed connections. Um, so, for example, I'd got two an hour. So if I and I just just get one, otherwise I've got half an hour wait. So having just travelled all this time, you're then sitting in central London on your own, um, having dashed off. So you haven't gone to the pub with your mates because you you think you can get that train to miss it because the London Midland train had been slow coming through Burkeswell, Tylehill, and Camberley. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. And what about um, away day? Is there any any stories that you've got from your away days that perhaps in the book or not not you know not in the book that has just been particularly uh, particularly funny? Yeah, okay, well, uh, yeah, there are some amusing ones. I mean, you somebody talked about earlier about um, the Strawberry Gardens at Fleetwood being a pub um, that yeah. they, they, they quite liked. Um, we 
seemed to play Fleetwood about six or seven times in the last eight, seven or eight years, but all but once it was midweek. So therefore it always meant staying over in Blackpool, etc. But people, if you went to the Strawberry Gardens in the early days, Sid Little of Little and Large used to run the uh, little restaurant which was attached to the Strawberry Gardens on a franchise. Right. So, so Sid Little um, was uh, very famous for coming out and wanting to do the service himself, which took, which meant that you, if you didn't, if you weren't sitting down at five five fifteen, you didn't get served by seven to go to the game because he was so slow, wanting to have photographs, talk to everybody, etc. But he was a great comedian, and and it really made it made the, the night. But our group sitting there one uh, one evening, and and Sid comes round and hands out all the fish and chips to everybody, and one of the guys says. Uh, excuse me, um, Sid, um, I ordered mushy peas. And Sid Little, being ever the comedian, just turned around and says, you've got a fork, and off he walked. Uh, he did come back a couple of minutes later with a, a bowl of mushy peas for him. But, uh, you know, that was his sort of answer. If you want mushy peas, mash them yourself. <laughs> the, the, the other one that became folklore, though, and this is, um, I, I suppose, it's funny, peculiar. Um, we were at Swindon, um, 2012, 2013, and um, I'd spoken to a pub called The Glue Pop, which again became one of our favourites um, earlier in the week and said, yeah, there'll, there'll, you know, there'll be 25, 30 of us turning up. Yeah, looking forward to seeing you guys again. And um, I'm out with my wife at dinner um, um, on the Friday night. And my Blackberry, and people re might remember Blackberries if, if they're old enough, but my Blackberry kept buzzing and going. And I, my wife was getting really annoyed with me because I, 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 so I was trying desperately not to answer it. But I, I eventually did. And it, it was somebody that said, I've just called um, the Glupop because your email Ian said that they were only doing rolls. They weren't doing hot meals. And, and he tells me they're not open. Now, look, I've spoken to him on Wednesday night. It is open. It is open. Um, so anyway, when I got back home, I called the glue part and the um, landlord said, oh, the police intelligence officer called me this afternoon to say they'd picked up Internet traffic that um, <laughs> were, were suggesting that there was going to be an organised fight between Lund Swindon and Coventry supporters outside the glue part. <laughs> so he's not being allowed to open. So, of course, this is no, no, nobody got iPhones and all the rest of it. So, you know, we, we were desperately trying to get to, uh, to get hold of people to make certain that we we're going to change pubs because we've got people collecting tickets, uh, etc. Anyway, we went to the, um, the Great Western. If you've been to Swindon, it's the big pub directly opposite. It's often an away um, designated away pub. Yeah, it's one of each opposite station, isn't there? It's a home and an away pub. That's right. Yes. So, yeah. so, so, so anyway, we get we get escorted in there, and we're in there. And the, of course, the, the unfortunately, the landlord didn't know he was got, he'd got thirty odd additional thirty odd people turning up at twelve o'clock that were all wanted food. And unfortunately, chef didn't turn up that day, so he ended up giving us um, uh, chips and sausage free, um, just big big bowls of chips and sausage. I think him and his wife that's the only thing they could do. But the the point of the story is at about two thirty, in comes um, a whole load of police. Um, okay, guys, we're we're going to escort you to the ground. So we walk outside, and there are three police horses, there are two police vans, and there are more police than there are Coventry London supporters. And we get escorted to the ground. The traffic gets stopped as we go across all the roads and all the islands. Um, and um, the only thing we can think of is that somebody, for some whatever reason, had picked up my copy of my email had gone out and of course it said London supporters and we did joke about whether or not we should actually code um, where we were going from in, in the future but there were stories about the police saying that day to, to people in the group um, we thought you'd be younger 
we didn't realize you were going to be that old you know was, um, <laughs> you know but that, but, but we, there is a, there is a, there is a couple of pictures in the book of the police horses and the police vans as, as we're all being marched along the road so that was a that was a particularly good one and the other one that i i do like if if anybody had actually um remember the father ted um, story in um, in when they when the, none of the priests can get out of the lingerie department we 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 were going to rochdale and um train disruptions that there was going to be a northern train strike which meant that there was no trains from manchester to rochdale but the metro link was going to work but which takes 50 minutes rather than 15 but okay we had to do but it, you end up in rochdale at the wrong end of rochdale so we went to a pub we'd never been to before um called the ball um and which we've been back to subsequently but this first day when we come out of the station um my my phone is telling me and as did my direction so it was a 10 minute walk but it looked as though there was a big shopping center in front of us so we said oh well, we'll walk through the shopping center so anyway the, the 10 12 of us or whatever it was on this uh, this group walked into the shopping center and lo and behold my google uh, maps um, ipod suddenly went two minutes oh it's good i told you it was quicker so we walked through this shopping center and get to the other end and there's no exit we couldn't find an exit anywhere so we're, we're then walking door to door like father ted trying to get out and we eventually found a security officer who um said oh no you've got to go right back to where you've come from um and walk all the way around because there isn't an exit and we said oh no he says look i tell you what guys if you go up the lift here and to the management services there's a door into the uh, the car park as you go into the car park you'll see the pub opposite so you know we all trundle up this lift we, we go out into the car park and we can't see the pub but there's, a, there's an entrance opposite we go through this entrance and we end up back in the shopping center again and we think oh no <laughs> We walk around, we come back out, and as you come out that door, you could see the pub. So anyway, we get to the pub about 25 minutes late because we've been walking around this shopping centre. But lots of other people that had either parked their car or had, uh, had come separately had had the same problem trying to find this pub. Um, so that's another one that becomes uh, but uh, becomes uh, instantly talkable by London supporters. But also the rag pudding that you had at that pub. That was um, like a suet meat pie that um, <laughs> um, became one of the must-have meals when you went back. Well, you needed it after all that walking. Exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. And just moving on a little bit, Ian, um, just wanted to, to get your thoughts on last season. Obviously, it was a brilliant season, winning League One. Um, lots and lots of highlights. Um, we asked quite a lot of people on the pod this. It'd be interesting to get your view on sort of, I guess, when you, one, felt like we were going to get promoted and two, win the league. Um, I, I, I think we'd struggled away from home right up until the Wickham game, um, just before Christmas. Um, of course, win, winning at Wickham and Tranmere away, and Godden scoring a hat trick on both occasions, that was, you know, that that was it. We were, you know, we're 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 about to we're about to get there now. So those were the two that I think um, convinced us that um, it was one of my favourite games of, of, of the season. But the one that I felt early on in the season that really showed the determination that it could be our year was when we got that draw at Portsmouth with the, with the nine men. It was in one of those games where you said, you know, I was there category. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you there. And um, the other question that we ask a lot on the podcast and we've asked our followers a lot of times is about a bit of fun about your sort of best or greatest Sky Blues 11. And of course, you know, you would have spent, seen countable amount of players come through and wear the, the Sky Blue shirt. So from the from the goalkeeper to the front, 
man what what does that look like Ian? oh that's a that's a that's a tricky one because again you know we we had 30 odd years in the premier league um you know we've we've had um league 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 three division three and four in old money and plus the, the other one but i mean goalkeeper has got to be between oggy and glazier Bill Glazier, because I mean, Bill yeah. Glazier, I think, you know, he would have played for England, I think, if he hadn't broken his leg just before the World Cup. He would have been yeah. the third keeper. So I, I, I really can't, I don't know. It's, it's between those two. If I, could, if I could have one on the bench, I'll have one on the bench, but they're the two. I think the back three, um, if we're going to play the, you know, the, the, the current system, it's got to be George Curtis. It's got to be Big Mo. It's got to be Gary Gillespie, I would have thought. And then those wing back positions. Oh well, Nielsen takes the right the right hand. Yeah, one, hands uh, down. Without, without a shadow of that, he was the he was just pure class. We were so lucky to have him for sort of the years we did. Um, I'm I was a big fan of Chris Catlin, but I think Stuart Pearce also probably just pushes him out as, yeah. in terms of that that sort of left hand side. Um, the midfield. Oh, this is this is another one because we've had so many different people. But I think um, Doyle and Mortimer in the middle. Um, um, and I think um, Dave Bennett and Hutchinson, Tommy Hutchinson, as, as the two wide players in terms yeah. of, in terms of the four. But that doesn't give a place for Ian Gibson because Gibbo was one of the, one of my heroes in the sixties. Yeah. The um, and then of course up front, um, George Hudson. You know, if he'd have been playing today, would he? W- w- you know, would he have been as good? I, I don't know. The football was different, but he was just. You know, th- this, there were stories of people going to, to Northampton rather than going to the Coventry game when he when he moved, just because he was such a a, a, a figure of um, you know uh, that everybody loved. Wow. So, so yeah. he, he he was one. Um, Robbie Keane had just the one season with us and was was brilliant. But you know, I've got to think about people like. Cyril Regis and Ian Wallace. So the the, the striking up front, you know, in his D on his lots. But I suppose if I had to pick, I'd probably go with Regis and Hudson. Ian, it's been great having you on the, the podcast. Really appreciate you coming on. It's great to hear, you know, all of your stories about the Coventry City London Sports yeah, Club and Cardiff's International. Um, yeah, some cracking stories there and, and everything. Um, yeah, just really hope we can be, you know, back on a train soon, you know, chewing the fat over all things Sky Blue. Indeed. And um, thank you for giving me the opportunity. And as I say, um, you know, if anybody does want to have have a read of, you know, what we've been up to for the last eight years, it's there is a a number of amusing stories um, in in the book. As I say, there is a football element to it and and all the results and everything are there. But a lot of it is around the the, the travel difficulties, the the pubs and and the camaraderie. So, um, uh, yeah, well, thanks very much for having me on. And hopefully, um, you know, as you say, we'll get back to watching football sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely. And Ian, just remind our listeners where they can find the book. It's on Amazon. Yeah, so it's called A Football Real Ale Trail, um, Away Days with Coventry City London Supporters Club in the Wilderness Years 2012 to 2020. Um, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, and we'll, sure we, uh, we'll make sure we send the links out on Twitter so our, our listeners can find that. And yeah, we thoroughly sure. recommend having a read. And, you know, like we said, hopefully we can all be on those Away Days again soon. Um, that's all we've got time for this evening. Thanks to all of our followers for your comments and your contributions. And remember, if you want to get involved with anything we talk about on the podcast, just make sure you use the hashtag SkyBluesExtraPodcast. Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra Podcast. Away 
paydays are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.